Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. This week, we had a guest speaker join us and share a word. The following episode was recorded live during Sunday's service. Turn with me, if you would, in the Bible uh, to Matthew chapter 16. And uh, yeah, you can tell people that... uh, Higgy baby preached in church this morning, and uh, yeah, it really is a great joy and honor uh, to be here and to have uh, pastors like Jay and Heather, who I know love Lisa and me, and who have profound affection for you as well. Week 10 of their sabbatical, so we are in the home Homeward stretch, a couple more weeks of special speakers, and then Jay will be back in the pulpit. Matthew chapter 16, begin reading with me in verse 15. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus says he's going to build his church. And the question for this morning is, what does the church look like? You know, I I get to travel as a uh, missionary evangelist to travel all over the place. And about six weeks, I will be in Papua New Guinea. And so I have a one-day layover in Australia, not Austria, but I have one-day layover in Sydney and going to be in Papua New Guinea. Um, So again, all over the world. It's such an honor and a blessing. And no matter where I go... Uh, it seems like I always have two questions that are asked. The first question is, so you're from Springfield, Missouri. Is that where the Simpsons are from? (laughs) I can be in the remotest part of the world, and they've heard of the Simpsons, not the United States' most glorious export. The second thing they always want to know is, what's your family like? And, and in the old days, you know, we always carried pictures in our wallets, and now we carry pictures on our phones. And, and, I, and so I pull out my phone, and I show a picture of my family. And I'm going to do that this morning because um, a couple reasons. But I want to introduce you to my family. Uh, of course, uh, this was taken last Christmas. So, of course, in the back row, there's uh, Lisa and me. Um, Lisa and I, three weeks ago, celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary and uh, we're blessed and she's been a part of our ministry and you know as a pastor and youth pastor associate pastor through the years 35 years of putting up with old higgy baby and uh been 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 a wonderful ride not always been fun but it's been wonderful to my right in the upper corner over here is erica erica is a uh, I call her a child care specialist at a Christian camp in Nebraska, and uh, she's also finishing up her bachelor's in uh, social work, and uh, she just got back two weeks ago from her first mission trip. She went to Spain. In front of Erica, 
the curly-haired monster uh, who doesn't have that long of hair anymore is Spencer. After three and a half years in the Army, he uh, now is a student at Azusa Pacific University in California, and his, uh, he's entering his third year out there and uh, works on uh, campus as well. And uh, he had a three-week mission to Spain earlier this year. So there's a trend or there's a, there's a theme that flows throughout the family. Next to uh, uh, Spencer in the middle front is uh, our son Taylor. And uh, uh, Taylor is uh, a football coach. He, uh, for the last couple of years, he's coached out over at Evangel University. Um, and uh, this year he's transitioning from Evangel over to uh, Kickapoo. So any of you all that go to Kickapoo, you may see Coach Higgins around. I hope you don't see him in the classroom because he is the ISS supervisor, which means in-school suspension or supervision. So I hope you don't see uh, Tay there. But uh, I still remember in, at the end of his beginning of his senior year in high school when he came to me and said, Dad, God's called me to be a football coach. That's how God is going to use me to impact young people for eternity. That's awesome. Next to Taylor is his wife, Natalie. Uh, they've been married uh, four and a half years. Uh, Natalie is an ER nurse at Cox South. Just like I hope you never see Taylor, I hope you never see Natalie, because she's, <laughs> Natalie actually grew up about a mile north of here, uh, National Heights. Uh, folks are wonderful people, godly believers. She grew up over at uh, Ridgecrest Baptist. And then uh, behind Natalie is my, our daughter, Kristen. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I'm so proud of Kristen. I'm proud of all of them. But about three years ago, Kristen was working as an office manager in Minneapolis, and she said, said, can I come home? Because I, there's something, I, can I come back home? I want to pursue a dream. And working 40 and 45 hours a week, I just don't have the emotional energy to do it. And I knew what her dream was. So she moved home about three years ago this time of year. And uh, her dream was to write a Christian novel. So two years ago, waiting at Jimmy's, was published on Amazon. It's not an advertisement, but if you buy a book, I won't complain. <laughs> Christian novel, good theology, good humor, good story. On Thursday of this week, the continuing saga continues at, with searching at Jimmy's. In fact, this copy is not for resale. This is like an author's copy. I, I, I point these things out about my family. Because when people ask me about my family, I could say, oh, I have a wife and four kids or five kids when I include Natalie. Or I can show them a picture. We are a very visual uh, people. We're visually oriented. We can hear things. But when we hear and see, we remember much greater. And so uh, I show pictures of my family, and I tell their story so that you will know them a little bit. Again, one of the greatest, probably the greatest joy of my life is knowing that all of my kids serve the Lord. You know, sometimes um, pastors, kids get a bad rap. I have nothing but good things to say about my kids. I'm so thankful they're serving the Lord.
So once, because we're visual, a couple years ago, I was kind of processing this question that I've asked this morning on the next slide. What does the church look like? Next slide. I think I have it up here. Go to the next one. There we go. And I was, I was at a church, and I was walking just past the sanctuary, and I looked into the uh, sanctuary, and on the uh, uh, projection screen, they had a slide similar to this one. The church was in a study on the book of Acts, and so they had Acts, and actually I think they had multiple words and multiple styles and multiple fonts, and it just Acts was all over the place. But I saw that word Acts, and I was stopped in my tracks by the word Acts. You know, as a, as a teacher, we're always looking for tools that will help people remember things. And I saw that, and the Holy Spirit just gave me like an acronym for the word Acts. And it's A, the letter A, C is church, T is that, and S was a variety of different characteristics of the church. This morning, very quickly, I know our time is limited. Um, there are greater, uh, more expansive notes, I believe, on the, uh, on the app. But I want to just go through some of the S words this morning. A church that. And the first thing is, uh, it's a church that submits. A church that submits. And I'm going to do this really quickly. So bear with me. We're flying at about 40,000 feet. We're flying, and it's like this, like a, a, a like you're at a carnival or a, a sidewalk fair, and you know they got those artists that do real quick sketches. This is a real quick sketch this morning. In fact, when I go to Papua New Guinea, this outline will be more fully developed, and it'll probably take three or four nights to present. So y'all are just getting a little little snapshot this morning. But when we talk about submission, it's a it's an attitude that is very countercultural. Our culture does not like the thought of submission. They like freedom and liberty and do whatever you want whenever you want. So I list real quickly four components of our submission. First of all, we are submitted to the authority of the Word of God. It's our starting point. It's our foundation. It's our rule for faith and life and action. And because, of, because we are submitted to the authority of the Word of God, then secondly, we can live in submission to the sovereignty of God. When we don't understand what God is doing, we have his record that he is in charge. He is not forgotten stuff. He's not out of control. He is still seated on the throne, even when we don't understand what's going on. His sovereign will, his sovereign character is still intact. I challenge you someday to, to, to just do a word search on the sovereignty of God and see how many times in the Bible the prayers begin, sovereign Lord, sovereign Lord. We aren't, able always to, aren't always able to figure out what it means to be submitted to the sovereignty of God. But let me challenge you to understand that sovereignty simply means we are people who worship. 
We are not called to figure out how he rules and reigns. All we are called to do is submit ourselves to the fact that he is ruling and reigning. The third thing, when we submit to the sovereignty, to the authority of the word and the sovereignty of God, we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm. One of the most powerful and profound accounts or passages about the lordship of Jesus Christ is in Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 where Paul says to the church, therefore God exalted him, meaning Jesus, to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's, here's a shocking reality. That verse in Philippians says that every knee shall bow. The tragedy is some will not do that bowing until the Lord says, depart from me, I never knew you. I want to bow in submission to the Lordship of Christ in my life so that on that day he says to me, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. And then the fourth thing where we submit as we submit to the authority or to the love of other believers. Ooh, we like those other things, maybe a little bit, this uh, love of other believers. Ephesians chapters 5 and 6, Paul is giving directions on submission and submitting to one another. It's important for me to note within the framework of the body of Christ and submitting to the love of other believers, it is always, 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 based on the authority of the word, the sovereignty of God, and the lordship of Christ. It is never about manipulation or control. It's about mutual submission for the glory of Christ. So we talk about a church that lives in submission. Secondly, a church that serves. A church that serves. Hmm. I have, I have three really quick things I want to give them to you. It serves the Lord. I think we understand that the word serve in the Greek is a word that is translated also as worship. So that when we talk about worship, we're not just talking about singing songs. We're talking about serving. And I have to say this. Because the second aspect is serving the body this church has been so phenomenal during Jay and Heather's sabbatical. The way you all, the way we all have served one another in love. It's really been phenomenal. It's really been a joy and a blessing. And I want to commend you. So when I talk about the church as one that serves, we serve the Lord, we serve the body, but we also serve the world. Ooh. Hit the, pump the brakes on that a second, right? What is it that we serve the world? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. I have verses 20 and 21 on the overhead, but I want to read this in its context. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old is gone, the new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, the church, this message of reconciliation, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though, we're God, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin uh, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are called to serve the world. Sometimes those that don't know Christ perceives that the church exists to serve them an, an eviction notice. Get out. You don't qualify. You're not good enough. We don't exist to serve an eviction notice. We serve to, uh, we, we, we exist to serve an invitation to come to know the king of creation. And if you don't know the king of creation, if you have not living in submission to Christ, man, there's a great time to start, and that time is today. We're talking about a church that, a church that submits, a church that serves, a church now, thirdly, that sings. This is so cool. I wish I had more time to talk about a church that sings. I am convinced, as an observer of the human condition, that we are wired to sing. We have different styles. We have different volumes. We have different tastes. And the whole, some people sing loudly and sing well. Some people sort of just mumble along to the words on the radio as they drive. But there's something within us that is designed to sing. And so I, 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 I find it exciting to me that one of the attributes of, of the church is that we sing. But we're not just singing country music. We're not singing rock music or heavy metal or rap or hip-hop. What we are singing is we are singing about the majesty and the glory and the splendor and the awesomeness of our God. I have a couple of verses that I could put on the overhead. I'll just highlight them. I won't read them. They're in the notes. But Ephesians chapter 5, Colossians chapter 3, both talk about the significance of singing. By the way, I, I, I just, I have to give a shout out to our worship leader, our worship team. Man, just. You, you, take us, you take us from looking at life and the details and the stuff of life, and you help us redirect our focus from all of that stuff to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's really I'm so appreciative because I want us to be a church that sings about the greatness of God. Fourthly, we would note that the church is, is we are a church that is spirit-empowered, that's a hyphenated word, or you could have spirit-led, hyphenated, or spirit-anointed. The whole key is that we are dependent, we are desperately dependent 
upon the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives. In John chapter 16, Jesus was preparing for his own death. He's preparing the disciples for his soon departure. And he says, I tell you this, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the counselor will not come to you. But if I go I will send him to you. Jesus is talking about the absolute necessity of the Holy Spirit being alive and at work within his church. So much so that in Luke 24, 49, as he is preparing to ascend, he says, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Do not do anything until you have the Holy Spirit. Again, echoed in Acts chapter 1, verses 4, 5, and 8. Um, I just highlight 8. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The absolute necessity that the church be spirit-empowered, spirit-led, spirit-anointed, spirit-functioning, spirit-dominated, spirit-controlled. Did I say that strongly enough? The last characteristic that I want to look at this morning is it's a church that's sent and also a church that sends. Three weeks ago, I preached on living life sent, how every disciple, every person who is a follower of Christ is a, is a missionary. We live our lives sent so that if my son, the football coach, is on a football field, He's living his life sent there. My daughter, who is an author, she's living her life sent through the written word. Spencer, the, the uh, soon-to-be physical therapist, he's living his life sent. Erica, working on the campus of a, of a, of a Christian uh, uh, campground, she's living her life sent. So often we think that we have to stand up here and do what I'm doing. No. Wherever we go, we are living life sent. But we also recognize that a critical characteristic of the church is that it is a church that also sends people like Matt and Abby. So glad y'all are here today. Y'all are good kids. If you are not a follower of them on Facebook, you need to. Uh, Matt especially, I think, you're at, I think you're at German Word 196 or something like that. Every day he, he tells the word that he's learned in German, puts it in a sentence, and it's just really cool. And then Abby does some of the other stuff, but just they're great people. But people like Matt and Abby, people like Steve and Brooke Highlander, people like John G., our missionary in Central Asia, are sent by us. That which they are called to do, they cannot do if we do not give generously, if we do not give sacrificially. Next week, I think uh, Dan, uh, Dan Jones is preaching. Another one of our missionaries, uh, Gary Flockstra over here, Gary and Glenna, have a ministry here that's in town, but they reach the entire world. We are senders. That is so critical. That we, that we give sacrificially so that we can be a church that sends. In fact, in September, we're having our annual missions emphasis, and this year it's going to be done a little bit differently. I think every year we kind of tweak it a little, and uh, so that'll be September the 15th. Sadly, 
I'll be in Papua New Guinea. I won't be here for the missions convention. But again, I go as one who's been sent, and you all will do great. You see, I started the message this morning by showing you a picture of my family. And I've tried to outline and sketch a few things about what the church looks like. I could, I could if I had unlimited time, I could show you pictures of my kids through the years. But you all don't want to see that. <laughs> They've changed a lot. Physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, they've changed. This, this week on, on Facebook, there was something called the Face App. Ah, some of you are laughing because they take these pictures and they age them computeristically. They age them. And, 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 and so you get to see the difference. Uh, one of my kids, I won't mention that individual by name, took my high school picture senior year picture taken 42 years ago and put about 60 years on it. And I look like my mother, except she has more hair and I have a better mustache. But <laughs> this, this transition that takes place over the course of time. I ask a question this morning, what does the church look like? And I say this to us. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking necessarily exclusively of the global organization called the church. <laughs> I'm not even necessarily talking about this local congregation, though we are certainly all a part of it. I'm saying, do I look like the church? <laughs> you know, I've, I've changed through the years. I've grown. I've matured. I've developed. And I ask, are we, are we individually, are we collectively growing, changing, maturing? Are we becoming more like the church Jesus wants because we have become more like Jesus himself? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know, in the, in the physical realm, transfer, transformation takes place naturally. Babies grow, they develop, they mature. In the spirit realm, it takes great intentionality to be transformed, to look more like the church Jesus wants us to be doesn't happen accidentally. It happens through prayer. It takes place by saying, Lord, pour out your spirit in me. It takes place through biblical discipleship. It takes place through walking in obedience. It takes place as we continue to just grow in generosity. How is it that we as an individual, how is it that we as a collective body are going to look more like the church? There's no magic uh, Jesus app where we are transformed. It happens when we say, Lord, teach me every day to live in submission as you would have me to live in submission. Lord, teach me every day to serve in ways that glorify and magnify you. Lord, fill me with a spiritual song. Though I don't have a voice that's ever going to be on America's Got Talent, 
I want to be a person for in whom the praise and the thanksgiving of God just continually overflow from my heart. I, I, I can become transformed by saying, Lord, help me every day to be more spirit-empowered. Lord, help me to continue to live my life sent as I help others who are called to be sent as well. That's a simple prayer. How can I look more like Jesus? How can you look more like Jesus? With every eye uh, closed, every head bowed, you've been great. I've zipped through this. You've taken notes. You've recognized the app. We are being transformed. Paul makes a statement of faith. We are being transformed. I'm 60. I came to faith in Christ when I was eight. I've been following Jesus for over 52 years. And the easiest thing for me to do would be to sit back and say, I'm good. I got this Christianity thing figured out. And every day, I have to say, transform me, Jesus. Make me, make me more like you. If that would be your prayer today, I want to be more like Jesus. Transform me. If that's your prayer, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Just stand. I want to be more like Jesus. Mm. Mm. Thanks again, Jesus, that you transform us. You make us more like you. You give the world a visual presentation of who you are. As we walk in submission to your will and to your authority, you give the world a visual presentation as we serve, as we sing, as we walk in the power of the Spirit, as we go and as we send, that's how the world's going to see you. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me and forgive us for those times when we have not been a very good visual representation. And I thank you for your grace that doesn't give up on us. It says, I got this. And so you continue to transform us, continue to work on us, you continue to work in us, and you continue to work through us. Thank you for making us a part of your church. Help us to be what you want your church to be. And as we leave today, Lord, uh, growth track and ice cream and lunch and Sunday afternoon naps, in it all and through it all, continue to touch us and transform us so that when people hear us, people see us, they say, hey, they're a part of the church. For your glory, I pray it, Jesus. 
Amen. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us, and we pray you have a blessed day.